The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. MSW Media. Hey, this is Tiffany Thiessen, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. I got to apologize up front for uh, Kalai King. He does the theme song and he gets a little gassy when we're having drinks before the show. So I'm going to apologize for him. I'm Dan Dunn. Welcome to what we're drinking. And what we're drinking today is the Negroni. And there are two reasons for this. I'll tell you the second one shortly. But reason number one is we have a guest in studio. She is a brand ambassador from Mulholland Distilling. It's right here in Los Angeles, California. I want to welcome back to the show the lovely and talented. Should we do a... <laughs> Cecilia Betzel. Hey! What's up? Hi, how are you? Good, good. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming back on the show, and thank you Absolutely. for bringing along some alcohol. You brought some Mulholland with you. I uh, sure did. We are going to get to that in just a second. I want to tell you, you know, the big show we got going on here, we're celebrating today, it's right around this time, is the four-year anniversary of the release of one of the most important books of the 21st century. It's a book that someone who wrote for some site called Fanbolt called an absolute blast to read. And I, I couldn't agree more. The book's called It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, The Seven Secrets of Awakening, The Highly Effective Four-Hour Giant Today. I know it's good because I co-wrote it, along with a gentleman by the name of Scott Alexander. We wrote the book uh, as in character, as the characters from the show, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. is an officially licensed book uh, by by the show, by FX. They hired us to do it. We're going to talk a little bit about four-year anniversary. And in honor of that, I'm going to be playing some snippets from an interview I did with Rob McElhenney, Glenn Howerton, and Caitlin Olson from the cast of It's Always Sunny wow. in Philadelphia. Yeah, it was for an interview that we did back a couple years ago when the book came out. I tried to get the guys to come back on to uh, the show now, but uh, they don't return my phone calls anymore <laughs> so can we get a toast over here let's raise up the glass yeah. raise it up raise it up here we raise it oh Ooh. by the way as i'm raising it up I, i'm getting a whiff of myself oh great I, 
I am. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's a uh, no, but it smells good Farting, for one. No, no, it actually smells good for once. Usually, I don't smell that great. Uh, I got this new soap. New soap. Let me explain how things work with me. I get. <laughs> products right people send me alcohol it's almost always alcohol they want me to sample it to either talk about it on the show or write about it but every once in a while i get like weird things that don't uh that don't really have anything to do with alcohol um so this i I got this soap it's called the duke cannon supply company and they sent me a whole bunch of soap and it's kind of it's cool looking. It's these old bricks like they used to give out to the to the military back in the old wars. Oh, yes, like I, you, I, you, I remember. you fought in Korea, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. No. So like that, and uh, I, they're not a sponsor of this show. I don't. I'm not. Uh, I'm not financially obligated to speak to this, but they did give me this thing. I think it was called the the Duke Cannon Supply Drop. Okay, and I'm looking at it right now, and it's it's a fifty dollar thing. And it comes free. You got uh, you got the soap, you got cologne. They call it the big ass brick of soap. <laughs> and I got it's this, and then there's this exfoliating shower soap. Just a bunch of bunch of cool stuff. Anyway, hmm. Duke Cannon, thank you for sending me the soap, and thank it does you. Smell quite. Don't nice. I smell pretty good, right? Yeah. It's like a, what is that? It's pretty nice. What does yeah. That smell. Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, look, the dogs are barking. That's that's how good I smell. You hear them out there? <laughs> Dar- they're going crazy. Yeah, they're going crazy for me. <laughs> I um, think it's a good. Uh, Good Christmas present idea. So to Cece- get it for my Cecilia others. Betzel, you brought some. Uh, you work for Mulholland Distilling. Can you tell us a little bit about Mulholland? Yeah, so I've been around for just about three years. We're going to go celebrate the anniversary next week. Um, we make gin, vodka, and American whiskey, and it's all fan fucking tastic. And I should tell everybody out there, because uh, if you look it up, you're going to find it out. Anyway, one of the co-owners of the brand is the phenomenal actor, Walton Goggins. Walton, uh, of course, from The Shield and Justified. He now stars in The Unicorn on CBS. He and a good buddy of his named Matt Alper started the brand, and they are just blowing it up, man. Yeah, it's great. We just got picked up at BevMo, which if you're in California, uh, you've definitely seen. You can get it at Whole Foods, Bristol Farms. It's all over the place these days, but the... Uh, oh, Sorry, I just shot you with a laser. Uh, <laughs> but the gin snacks. is uh, what I drink most frequently, and so I brought that, uh, especially since, you know, it makes a mean Negroni. Uh, but it's cool because it's a little bit uh, different than your standard gins. I get a lot of people saying that, you know, oh, I don't, I don't drink gin or gin makes me crazy. I hear that a lot. Wonder, wonder what that is. Well, you seem a little crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's I'm worried nature. about you when you walked into the studio. <laughs> and I mentioned earlier that there were two reasons, and obviously Cecilia's here with the gin. She's doing it. She brought it on. And uh, we're going to talk about this, this drink, which you made. Uh, but here's yeah. the thing. She, she made this Negroni. Tell us the components of the Negroni, how you, what you put in there. Uh, it's a super easy cocktail. It's an old sort of bartender's kind of drink. It's equal parts gin, sweet vermouth, and Campari. So it goes a beautiful red color. And our gin uh, is a little lighter on the juniper than most gins. So it's going to get a little more cucumber, lavender, lime. So it just gives the Negroni kind of a nice little fruity sweetness as opposed to it being too bitter. It's delicious. I gotta, I'm going to tell you that right now. Mm. And Cece did, uh, we call her Cece, Cece did something uh, different in the preparation of this drink. After she finished it, normally you would stir it with a spoon, 
but she stirred it with her finger. And the reason she did that I washed my hands, I swear. She did wash her hands, but the reason she did that is a tribute to an old friend of mine uh, who just passed away um, today. I don't know when you're going to be listening to this show, but he pa- or passed away yesterday, actually Friday the 15th of November, by the name of Gary Regan, also went by Gaz Regan. Um, and Gaz, among the many things, is a legendary, legendary guy in the bar community. And one of the many things he did, he became very famous for... Uh, one time he had to make a whole bunch of Negronis at once. He couldn't find his spoon. And so he stirred the drinks with his finger and it became a thing. <laughs> I mean, it Gross. became a thing. Like it was written about in the New York Times and and uh, and all sorts of places. And and uh, they, a lot of tributes have come into Gary. Uh, as I said, he died on the 15th Friday. Um, he died of pneumonia. Um, his wife sent a message saying he died peacefully that you believed his soul lived on. I believe that too. Uh, Gary was from Lancashire, England. Lancashire? Am I saying that right? Yeah. Lancashire? Yeah. Born in 1951. He moved to New York City in 1973, and that's when his storied career began. He wrote a bunch of books, including The Bartender's Bible, The Book of Bourbon, uh, New Classic Cocktails, The Martini Companion, and of course, the, the one that I love the most, the Negroni drinking to La Dolce Vita uh, mm-hmm. is a book that Gary wrote. He was a, he knew everything there was to know about the Negroni and then some, uh, but he really was someone, I know this, the term, you know, like terms like rock star and all that get thrown around all too frequently. But in the case of Gaz Regan, it was, it was true. And uh, he, I, I think without guys like him, there's no show like that, like this. I mean, so, Depending on you, how you feel about the show, you have Gaz to blame or thank for this. So, Gary, I'm going to raise one up to you, buddy. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Gaza. To wherever, whatever bar he's hunkered up to now, somewhere out in the ether. Love you, man. Mm. So, in his book, The Negroni Drinking to La Dolce Vita, Gary credited the creation of this delectable aperitivo to a, uh, a nobleman from Florence by the name of Count Camillo Negroni. Hence the Count name. Negroni. Count Negroni, who like in 1919 demanded that his local bartender whip up an Americano uh, that had a little more kick to it. Apparently the Count, who had spent time in the States uh, wrangling rodeo bulls, among many things, <laughs> he was not a man to be trifled with, okay? What so a guy. A bartender by the name of Fosco Scarcelli, Swapped in gin for club soda to deliver the added oomph that Count Negroni desired in his Americano. In so doing, Scarcelli bequeathed us with a drink for the ages. And it's a simple one to make, as Cecilia pointed out, and even simpler to sip, especially out in like in the in the afternoon sun, right? Oh, oh, so great. and it's very much coming back. Into style, we had recently in LA uh, Negroni Week. Yeah, Negroni Week. Well, Negroni Week happens all over the place. I think it's the only cocktail that has its own week. Um, and as Cece said, you, you you know you put it in, you stir it. A lot of times it's made with London Dry Gin, but as as we mentioned, doing it with uh, with Mulholland, I think adds a different flavor component that I really love. And uh, uh, so we're clear though: you never shake a Negroni, and also remember the orange twist garnish. Mm-hmm. is a sacred and essential and a little, component. Uh, a little finger dirt, you know. And a little finger dirt. If you're tempted <laughs> by lemons, though, resist. 
It's the orange. Well, a lot of twist. a lot of places too put in um, an olive. Well, those places should be out of business. That's what I say. Oh, yeah? Okay. You know what? You know what, <laughs> Cecilia? If somebody were to put in an olive in my Negroni, I would go. I'd gong you- them. They'd be the gong show. They get the gong show treatment. Um, okay. So we've covered the Negroni. We've covered Mulholland. Uh, you also have a whiskey and a vodka as well, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, you guys are American killing whiskey it. and vodka. Can only find it in California at the moment, but coming very soon to several other states. Yeah. You're getting there. You're doing it. So, like I said at the top of the show, it is the four year anniversary of the release of the Sunny book. Um, and as I said, we wrote it, uh, uh, in character. I'll read you a tiny little bit from the back of the book. And this is from Mac, Rob McElhaney's character. Mac says, he's my favorite. Yeah. He's your favorite. Me and my friends wrote this book to help people. It's who we are. We're givers. Some of you may be wondering what makes people like us qualified to write a self-help book. I'd like nothing more than to get into all that. But as it turns out, there's some litigation pending at the moment. And on the advice of Charlie's uncle, Jack, I'm not at liberty to talk about certain matters related to how this book came to be. Needless to say, though, we are totally somebodies, and we are totally qualified to be book writers and world-renowned fixers of other people's broken, pathetic lives. So that's kind of how it goes. We broke it down into different chapters. We got relationships, financial success, and career, fashion, and personal grooming, health and diet, and survival skills. So (laughs) some of the little, and as I said, it's written from the perspective of Frank, Sweet D., Dennis, Charlie, and Mac. Uh, and there's a lot of good stuff, like one from Dennis called I Beat Marriage and So Can You. <laughs> there's one from Mac called Here's How Straight I Am. This was when Mac oh, was still in the Mac when was Mac was out. still in the closet. <laughs> uh, a man and his horse, the story of Peter Nincompoop. Fans of the show will remember Peter Nincompoop <laughs> from Charlie. Uh, of course, there's a bit on uh, a couple of things on the Nightman. Uh, we oh. did one. Uh, who wrote this one? America, love it or sleeve it? I don't know. Mac, he never wears sleeves. Uh, yeah. uh, There's how to look like a giant bird. We have recipes in there. What, what kind of articles did Frank write? Frank wrote a bunch. Well, recipe corner, rum ham. <laughs> rum, oh my God, ham. the rum ham. Yes. <laughs> That's uh, such a good episode. <laughs> uh, yes, there was how to stage an intervention, <laughs> spiritual nutrition. Oh, r- r- another one from uh, from... Frank is also a recipe corner raccoon steak. Oh, I don't know if you remember the raccoon yes. steak. Uh, when the bums come for us, uh, is this heaven? What's everyone's problem today? And it's wrong to poison people. That's one of the chapters. <laughs> so again, the seven secrets of awakening the highly effective four hour giant today. The gang writes a self-help book. It's still available everywhere. I don't care if you buy it cause I don't get any money for it. I got paid like one lump sum, so I don't care, but it is a bestseller. It did uh, do really more, well. More good Christmas gifts. That's right. It's a good Christmas gift. Uh, speaking of Christmas, if you queued it up for me, normally we do a thing at the top of the show where we do new products. I tell you about new stuff. I, we are going to do that on the show, but we're going to do it after we run these sunny interviews. I'm going to tell you about a couple of whiskeys and a couple of wines because it's that time of year, right? You got to have gifts. You buy stuff for people, right? I have already bought almost all of my Christmas gifts. Well, not all of them. So maybe you can pick up, maybe you can take one of my recommendations to the bank. <laughs> Impress your friends. Okay. So as I said, I did this interview with the, with uh, Glenn and Rob and Caitlin came in at the end. So it's mostly Glenn and Rob. What we're going to hear, I'm just going to run some snippets. This was right around the time the book came out. And I 
Oh, wait, so Glenn is Dennis. Glenn Howerton plays Dennis. Rob McElhenney plays Mac. And Caitlin Olson, who is also Rob's wife, plays D. So, let's get to it. Uh, the first one we're going to do... Mm, how about, like, Philly accents? You know, I'm from Philly. Can you tell? You know, every once in a while it sort of comes out, but I uh, I go to Philly a lot, and the accents are pretty intense. Home. Home. Well, we were drinking. <laughs> we were at a party, and we were we did this interview at the at the Sky Bar, the Mondrian Hotel, very shishi on Sunset Boulevard, and there was kind of a raging party going on at the uh, at the time that we did this. And in fact, you know what? We'll go with this other clip first because I want it because of the raging party. We had a we had a security guy that was assigned to watch us while we were doing the show and keep drunk people away from us he was not doing a good job he was what he was doing a good job of is macking on women the entire time we were there so we somehow got on the topic of the show entourage the show that used to be on hbo because we were talking about how rob and glenn they all hung out they were all friends and it was kind of like an entourage sort of situation but maybe in reverse so we got to talking about that and here's a little a little snippet of that who was was it you it's funny you said that I, i just read an interview and i think it was glenn and you were talking about the show, uh, Sunny, and how you guys always end up getting screwed in the end. And that in Entourage, the problem with Entourage was at the end of the show, they were total dicks, and then they would all be standing on the balcony looking out, going, "Everything's fucking great for us." Man. Well, well, don't, I, I don't know that I, I don't know that maybe I did, but I don't it, know that maybe I said it was that. Cocksuckers, that was, you well, said. no, no, I don't know that I said that that was the problem with the show, but um, that is the difference between our show and. Someone's trying to talk to me. Right? I love when people realize come up in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. We're just um, in the middle of doing a show. That yeah. is the difference between our show and Entourage, though, is yeah. that at the end of the show, we are not standing on a balcony overlooking By the way, Hollywood. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but we do have a security guy here who's in constant conversation with this chick over here. <laughs> I know. He's not meanwhile, doing his job. Meanwhile, we're getting accosted <laughs> during the show. It's good to see. Good to see it happen. It just goes to show how far we've come, Rob, that we're being accosted by women left and right, and security can't even keep them at bay. Like, yeah. that's, that's... It does. That's it why does we're happening. So it has seen, there's been one person who, who came up confused. I think she was asking for directions. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, our security guy is picking up digits. Yeah. And then we said we're doing a radio show, and I think she well, said, don't, fuck off. No, yeah. no, don't, don't do that. Look. Oh, I'm sorry. I, they our, can't see. Our, our characters are um, as far re- about as far removed from the characters on Entourage as they could possibly be. However, us, our real lives... You like them. We're, no, we're just we're, we're becoming them. You're becoming them. Well, yeah. if we weren't married and had kids, then we would be them, yeah. I think, probably, at this point. Don't you think? Which one would I, which one would I be? Well, you'd be Johnny Drama. I'd be Vinny Chase. If we'd never uh-huh. created the show, I would be the movie star by now, and you would be sort of latching on to that. Who, yeah. Who's Turtle? I'd be on your co- who's Turtle? DeVito? Or Charlie, right? Charlie. Charlie. Turtle. No, Charlie, Charlie's... Um, we would probably be hanging out at Charlie's giant mansion, I think, at this point, right? So then we uh, we we kept going. Uh, the party that we were at was for a vodka. Did I already say this? American Harvest. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's around anymore. Maybe we destroyed it by being there that <laughs> night. But we were doing we were doing we were drinking American Harvest vodka. If it is still around, I apologize to the folks at American Harvest. I'm sure it's delicious. Um, it's no Mulholland. I'll say that right up front. It's <laughs> no Mulholland. Is. What is right? So we're drinking this American Harvest, and Rob started bagging on me for my Philly accent, the, the way I say vodka. 
Is that weird? Vodka? Uh, vodka? You do not talk like that. <laughs> so Rob, Rob got giving me shit, and here's Rob giving me shit about my Philly accent. He's from Philly, too, by the way. He, I went to a very blue-collar high school called Father Judge. He went to a very she-she high school called oh. St. Joe's Prep. St. Joe's preparatory school. So maybe that was what it was. But here we are. He's giving me shit about my accent. That your accent. My accent? Yes. I have an accent? You have a slight accent. (laughs) What are you talking about? And it hinders your ability to say the word vodka. Vodka? You just said it. like a vodka. Oh, vodka. (laughs) Vodka. You're full of shit. American Harvest Hey, I didn't go to St. Joe's prep. I don't know why Rob doesn't have more of a Philadelphia accent. And the thing is, is he's not I'm actually... A professional. He's not even that good at doing the accent. <laughs> well, like not... Like, I can a, do it almost as well as... It's accent, but in I my defense. But I fucking grew up there. I can do a Montgomery, Alabama accent. I can do the accent. I can do the accent. Where, I feel what are like the, I'm just not a talking... I'm not a dancing monkey for you. <laughs> Rob, what are the names of the mountains near Philadelphia where we used to go? Pekinez. Pekinez. Pekinez, yeah. Yeah, Han, let's go to Pekinez. Yo, you guys go to the Like That's the accent. Uh, yes, yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Bravo. That's, you you just can't believe that people speak like that, but they do. I, I was I was thunderstruck for about the first four or five seasons, and now I get it. But yeah. it sounds like a combination of, like, Australian, Southern, and New York. That's what Philly. it sounds like to me. Yeah, Philly accent. The Australian does. There's been times when I've been very drunk. Yeah. And I'm talking to people, and they'll say, are you from Australia? Yeah. Did you ever get that, Rob? Never. Yeah, I used to get all, people sounds, from Australia. It no. sounds vaguely Australian. I worked very hard to to get rid of my accent. Did you really? You worked hard? Well, I just stopped doing it. You stopped just stopped? It. Isn't yeah. that it? Nah, so I moved to New York City, and I yeah. decided I was not going to speak like that anymore. And so I don't. There was one word that I worked on not. There was one. I, when I moved to Colorado, I was really embarrassed whenever I would order water. Yeah. Because I would say water. Because so it I, sounds weird as shit. Water. By the way, my mom is from Mississippi, and she doesn't say water the way you guys say it, but she says water. 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 It's just not entirely dissimilar to what you guys do, which is, I think, part of the reason why it sounds southern to me. Yeah. Well, it's embarrassing. I got over that. Rob apparently thinks I still have an accent. I heard a little bit, yeah. Vodka. Yeah, there. All right, let's talk about the vodka. 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 I don't say it like that. I really don't. I say vodka. 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 I used to say vodka. 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 But I've been in America too long. Vodka. You used to say it like a Russian person? Vodka. 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 They don't say V's, do they? They say W's, right? Yeah. Isn't no. vodka, vodka? Vodka. I don't know. In Sweden, there is no W, really. I'm going to be murdered by an angry Russian guy later. <laughs> You're making fun of our language. I must. Vodka. I must kill you. Oh, what did I? Wait, what, what was that? That was a terrible it Russian accent. It was not. Jesus. I'm quite the Stick actor. Stick to the water. I'm quite the actor. And speaking of quite the actor, Glenn then told us at one point in the interview that he has a massive man crush on Kurt Russell. I know Kurt, and I think we were talking about Kurt having been on my old show, and Glenn revealed that he's he's got a bad for for Kurt Russell. Awesome. Yeah, but I, I couldn't fucking care less about anybody but Kurt Russell. Really. But Kurt I mean, Russell, I, I just I, I think that he is one of the most underrated actors of all time. I am such a huge fan of his. He's fantastic, and, and I love that a, dude. I a really nice fucking guy. I just I kind of yeah. If I, I he I'd be more excited to meet him than almost any other. He's actor. pretty radical. Yeah, I can hook it What's up. What's he with? doing? He's one of those guys that like I I, just, I love him so much. I don't ever want to meet him. I don't think. 
Really? No, not unless not unless I actually have the opportunity to really get to know him. I don't want to just brush by him. I'll be it'll be a disappointment. Okay. You know what I, I mean? I, Let him I, keep I your, his that. place in your heart. It, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's yeah. like you, you know, never meet your idols, kind of a thing. Because like, I don't know, man. I mean, him is Wyatt Earp, just, just. Well, Snake Plissken. So he didn't meet. He's never met Kurt. He never wants to meet Kurt. Doesn't want to ruin what about, it. What about you, Dan? What would be the person that you sort of would be the most excited or starstruck to meet? Bono. Oh yeah, Bono. Dan is a huge Bono. U2 fan. How many times have you gone to see U2 in concert, Dan? Fifty, five zero. And how old are you? <laughs> Very old. Uh, many years ago, I re- I went to a, a screening at the Sundance Film Festival of a movie called uh, Leonard Cohen. I'm not your man. It was a documentary, and U2 produced it. And it was in a little screening room, middle of the afternoon. It was maybe me and about five other people in there. And the movie ended and everybody walks out and there's a guy standing there by himself. And it's The Edge from U2. And I, to this point, I'd seen him about 35 times. And, you know, I don't get starstruck easily, but I was definitely starstruck. And I went up to The Edge and I I, I said, excuse me, um, Edge. I said, uh, I'm a... I started like getting all Kathy Bates and misery on him. I said, I, you know, I'm like your biggest fan. I said, I, I, I've seen you guys 35 times and without missing a beat, the edge said, thanks for the money. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that. Oh, um, that's good. Speaking of another, Glenn had another brush with fame. Uh, and, um, he's probably a lot of brushes with him, but another person he could have met that he almost didn't was the author, great, late great author, Ray Bradbury. Oh, he's turns, one of my favorites. One of your favorites. Turns, Chronicles. turns out, uh, Glenn lived in an apartment where Ray Bradbury lived for a very no long way. time, and so let let him. Tell have you, you ever read something wicked this way comes? I have not read it. Don't try to show me up. Uh, but here's what. Who's let me, the author here? Yeah, I know, right? I've written a couple of books, but I don't pay attention to anybody else's stuff. Um, so here's Glenn re- recounting a story about Ray Bradbury. And then I moved oh, into that place that you're talking about early 2007. I lived there for two years. Yeah, you just moved out. I looked at it. Yeah. But I was thinking you know, to who myself, else lived there? who? Ray, oh, uh, Ray you Bradbury. You told me this. Yes, yeah. Ray, Ray Bradbury, Bradbury, the author who just passed. He just died. He just passed. Um, yeah, and, and, and yeah, interestingly enough, Ray Bradbury actually came to the apartment while I was gone. This really bummed me out. While Jill, my my now wife, was home, and uh, stopped by the apartment and knocked on the door, and oh, Jill shit. Jill answered. The t- Jill, no, no, actually, it was, it was Ray Bradbury's driver. And Jill answered the door, and the driver said, Hi, um, this might sound strange, but um, I have Ray Bradbury in my car. And he wants to see the place. And he lived in this apartment when he was first starting out as a writer and wrote The Martian Chronicles in your apartment and would like to come upstairs. Is that the name of it? The Martian Chronicles? Yeah, The Martian Chronicles. Chronicles. Yeah. Yeah. And and wanted to just come check it out. Did he come in? Did he come in? No. He did. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He didn't go in. Did he because not go Jill in? had no idea who the fuck Ray Bradbury was. Um, well, that, so she yeah. was like, I'm not going to let these two old men into my apartment <laughs> while my husband's gone. I was trying not and to. And by the way, who the fuck knows if it actually was Ray Bradbury? <laughs> it's, well, probably, it's probably like some maybe, homeless guy. Yeah, that yeah, a something. couple of homeless guys who were looking at <laughs> So, yeah, that would happen. Um, and then, what's, what's Ray Bradbury's most famous book? I don't. Why are you doing this to me right now? You yeah. know, come on. The Martian Chronicles. No. No. What? Uh, the one that became uh, yeah. Blade yeah. Runner? No. Close. What one? Fahrenheit. Oh, Fahrenheit 451. There you go. 
quiz time. Wow, I didn't realize. Well, speaking of quizzes, <laughs> thanks for teeing that up for me. So we we had a couple of drinks by this point, and things started to get a little bit competitive. And so I I put a game up. We, I used to play games. This is my old serious show, and we used to do games. So I did a, a quiz game pitting Rob against Glenn. And uh, let's just say Rob got a little bit uh, competitive and ornery during the course of this game. So it's here's a little quick uh, bit of that. Uh, this game that we did, and it even has its own little theme song to it. And now we're going to play a game, guys. This is our big popular game on the show. Uh, normally in this game, it's it's I throw out questions to just one person. Since there are two of you today, yeah. you're going to be competing. Yes. Oh. Game, this is the vicious circle now of for reals or bullshit. Is that for reals or bullshit? Boosh facts that are so crazy, we couldn't possibly make them up. Or could we? It's time to play for reals or bullshit. All right, here's what happens, guys. I'm going to throw out a bit of information, and you're going to tell me whether what I just said is for reals or bullshit. Each get three questions. We're going to alternate. Okay. At the end of this, the winner will get a gift bag of something. Oh, we're going to alternate. Okay. Yeah. Here it. we go. First question is for Rob McElhaney. Okay. Rob McElhaney, yeah. are you ready? Yes. All right. American Harvest is made from water extracted from deep beneath the Snake River Plain in Idaho. In 1976, famed stuntman Evil Knievel successfully jumped over Snake River Canyon in a contraption called a Sky Cycle. For reals or bullshit? For reals. Are you sure? Yes. I'm sorry, Rob. That's bullshit. If you're going to tell me that one part of that is bullshit. No, it, there's several is parts. Is it the contraption? It was, A, it was 1974, not oh, 1976. Oh, fuck that And he crashed. Question. He didn't make it. He didn't successfully jump. I'm, he nearly drowned. His parachute opened early, and he fell hey, and plummeted to the bottom, and he would have drowned if he would have landed in the in the water. So you just read me three paragraphs worth of information. And, and it was all Two bullshit. words. No, it was two false. Two words were false. Bullshit. Sorry. Okay. You're down one. I'm down one. Glenn, you attended the... Glenn. Yeah. Down to earth, Glenn. You attended the Juilliard School. <laughs> uh, yeah. All of the following actors also attended Juilliard. That's bullshit. Viola Davis, Kevin Klein. True, true. Laura Linney. True. And Ving Raines. True. Well, so for true. reals. For reals for is reals. the answer. For reals. Glenn? You're correct, sir. Yes. Give it up for Glenn. Yeah. He's got, you're up one. Okay. I'm up one, Rob. Rob this, this game's one, rigged. This one's a two-parter, Rob. Two-parter. Oh, good. You created a show called It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That's that's yeah. where you come in. I got that. That's for reals. I'm taking it. I'm All right. Taking, you okay. got part one, right? Yep. On average, the warmest month in Philadelphia is July. Ooh, that's a good one. For reals or bullshit? That's I'm gonna say the warmest month, the warmest on month on average, average in Philadelphia is, is in July. July. For reals or bullshit? Rob McElhaney. I'm gonna have to say bullshit. I'm gonna have to say I remember August being brutal. Final answer? No. Would you no, like? It's not my. Final you want to change your answer from bullshit to? I'm gonna real? say for real. You're correct. Yes. Oh, see? 87, 87 degrees is the average temperature in July in Philly. One degree hotter than August. Okay, Glenn Howerton. Here we go. 
In order to legally be called vodka, a spirit must be made from either potatoes or wheat and distilled at least three times. Bullshit. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. And you're correct. It's bullshit. I made that all up. Yeah, there's I know no you rules did. for vodka, really. I mean, there's a lot of rules for scotch, for bourbon, vodka. It can be basically distilled from anything. Now, I have a I have a quinoa vodka sitting in my freezer right now, in case anyone thought I wasn't a douchebag. Okay. <laughs> quinoa vodka. <laughs> First class <laughs> to Aspen. Can anyone in the town oh, you grew up God, in tell myself. you what quinoa is? Anyone? Uh, anyone in the town I grew up in, can they tell me what quinoa is? Um, yeah, at this point, yes. Okay. All right. You've educated them on this. All right, Rob. Here we go. I, I happen to know Rob has a, uh, an affinity for NASA and space and that, that sort of thing, right? You, you're into that. Sure. I Don't thought, say sure. No, yes, you are. Totally. Yes. Yes. All right. Yes. So, there is a tradition at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, right out here in California, to eat good luck peanuts before critical mission events, such as orbital insertions or landings. Good luck peanuts is a tradition they do at JPL. For reals or bullshit? I'm going to say bullshit. It's good luck something else. Final answer? Yes. It's for reals. Yeah, I didn't think it was that sort yeah, of... No, yeah, peanuts. I don't understand this game. A guy was eating peanuts. There was a ranger program in the 60s. I don't They couldn't get care. it going. Finally got it going, and a guy happened Dan, to eat peanuts. you're yeah. bringing out the worst in Robbie. Right, very Rob's competitive. Very Glenn, this is it. This is for the win, even though you've already won. He's already got the win. All right, but I'll add a bonus question. I'm going to really fucking slam it home. Right you I can. If I can. <laughs> I want this to really... This is for the you utter humiliation. All right, Glenn. All right. When your sunny co-star, uh, Charlie Day, hosted Saturday Night Live in November of 2011, the musical guest on the show that, this, was I, Maroon 5. I can't believe these questions. For reals or bullshit? I can't believe them. For reals. I, did you want... As a bonus, want, I'm going to let you, you jump back in, Rob. Now What's, I'm figuring it what out. What songs did they sing? This is a, Maroon this is a he, he wants to demoralize you. He wants to demoralize you. I'm still mad me. about the pilot. No, right, you know, no, uh, my second question could be perceived as difficult, but the other ones were. Rob, what it's songs the did they sing? Me. Most people wouldn't think that Bing Rames went to Juilliard, but go ahead. I did. Well, you went to Juilliard. Yeah, yeah. but I, yeah. What songs did they sing, Rob? I'll go give you a chance yourself. to get back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about a bonus question? This will get you back in at least to get the gift bag as well. Here we go. This is for you, Rob McElhaney. A chance to unembarrass yourself. Okay. The comedian, and he's a fellow FFX guy, Louis C.K., once said, everywhere is within walking distance if you have the time. Louis C.K., did he say that? The reels are bullshit. I'm these are these are I'm all say, you've got a lot of questions that you can't know. You just have to. I'm going to say bullshit. It was Mark Twain. It is bullshit. It was Stephen Wright. Stephen Wright. There oh, you yeah. go. Yeah, good, good guess. Hey, yeah, nice. I like the Mark Twain. Bit. Mark Twain, uh, Stephen Wright. Same same kind of hair. By the way, that was back uh, before Louis C.K. Uh, oh, okay. Became toxic. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was when Louis was still riding high. Oh, he's back now. He's touring. Is he's he? doing like a really? no apology tour or something. He's just oh, said, God. fuck it, man. I'm going for no it. No apologies. No apologies. Uh, anyway. Well, Rob's a little competitive. Rob got, Rob got heated. <laughs> Things got really heated there. <laughs> um, 
anyway, it's and so then finally Caitlin showed up and we had a this is a little this is a little short one here, but this is uh, Caitlin and I talking about a chugging contest. Oh, she's girl. such a queen. The girl can drink. Yeah. Did she? Ch- did she beat you? Let's let's. Why don't you wait for it? Here it comes. <laughs> Many years ago, Caitlin came on Maxim Radio with me, mm-hmm. and I'll admit you. it, she crushed me in a chugging contest. Yeah. <laughs> Was that on Playboy? On Maxim Radio. Radio oh, Maxim. On Sirius. Many years in ago. In a chugging contest? What were you chugging? Beer. Beer. Oh. And she beat me. Yeah. yeah and I talked a ton of shit before we did it. Yeah. Because I just didn't think there was any chance. And she right. knows she's the tech. You have to have... That's, see, that's not about... That's not about gender. That's not about... You know, technique. Uh, it's about it's technique. About technique. Yeah. It's all about tech. Can you open your throat? I've yeah. never seen, and I, a wo- and I can. No, I've never seen a woman chug a beer that quickly. Yeah, I mean, I, it was. Um, that's just kind of how I drink beer. Yeah, I wasn't even in competition. You don't even. You, you you that's know. always how it goes down. This for you? is how it goes. Beer and white wine. It's too fast. I'll be honest. It's too fast. I drink it too fast. And Rob, we've had Rob lets me know. We, we talk were, about we've this. We've talk. Yeah. yeah, we were talking about this earlier on <laughs> yeah. the show. Rob was saying he drinks every day now because you're pressuring him. Pressuring him. No, Please, no, I, I'll drink I just by say, myself. I don't need in, you. Yeah, right. Dan is in her presence. In her presence. I like you to have a to glass drink. of white wine. You yeah. need to drink in order to tolerate each other <laughs> right, every yeah. single night, night, night after but night. But there is something always there. comforting about that. You go home and you open a nice bottle of wine. You have a That's glass right. of wine. That's drink or scotch or scotch or polish off the wine. Man, what I would do to have a drink. With Kaylin Olson. With Kaylin Olson. She's <laughs> the best. Um, so we're going to, there's going to be one more little part we got about with Rob and bar fights. And I think Rob was probably ready to get into a bar fight. Maybe with me at that point. <laughs> but um, I want to uh, quickly tell you about some new products. This is some stuff that uh, you should be drinking, you know, for the holidays. Um, let me just, let me just gather. Let me gather myself. Give me one second. Hey everybody, this is Ed Kowalczyk from the band Live, and you're listening right now to the second best voice from Pennsylvania. Okay. You ready? It settles me, the guy from Live. I've only seen them about eight times. Ah. Not, not. So not, not quite a, not, at U2 They're status. not at the U2 level, but I did meet Ed. Ed was, uh, Ed was a guest on this show. If you want to go back into the archives, maybe about 10 episodes ago, Ed Kowalczyk from Live. On the same episode as Nathaniel Rateliff. That was a hell of an episode. Ooh, yeah, that thing rocked. So anyway, new products. Uh, Cece, you, you an Irish whiskey fan? Um, it's not my go-to. Well, what if I told you <laughs> that I have an Irish whiskey that might blow your oh, mind? I mean, I'm always up for some whiskey, okay. regardless of where it's from. Well... Egan's Irish Whiskey is a brand that was established by the brothers named Henry and Patrick Egan in 1852 in Tullamore, which is probably somewhere near where Bono grew up. Uh, and uh, so Patrick was the brains behind the operation. Henry was the public face. And he was a, he was a very politically active Irishman. Uh, he, was, uh, he served as the secretary of the Tullamore Land League, which was fighting for Irish independence, leading the charge there. So Egan's just came out with a, an expression called Centenary, and it's a, uh, again, just released expression commemorating 100 years since the passing of Henry Egan, uh, who, again, in addition to being a spirit merchant, was a leading figure in the struggle for an independent Ireland. In fact, in 1887, Henry was involved in the Tullamore Tweed Incident, you know that you know about the Tullamore Tweed incident. 
don't. This sounds intriguing. Oh yes. Well, it's uh, it's it. It was an Irish freedom fighter by the name of William O'Brien, and he and some others were imprisoned in jail in Tullamore. And they were political prisoners. And in protest of being held as political prisoners, they refused to wear the official prison garb that they'd been issued. And Henry Egan managed to smuggle in a suit of (laughs) Irish Blarney tweed for O'Brien to wear in defiance of the authorities. And that became known as the Tullamore Tweed incident. So today, if you buy a bottle of the Centenary, uh, you will also get, and there's only 5,995 bottles of this worldwide. It's $100 a bottle, okay? If you buy it, you also get, it comes with an Irish Tweed coaster. Oh, That's I pretty want cool, it. right? I love that that's, that was their protest. Right? We're going to dress really yeah. well. <laughs> we are going Screw to you show guys. you up. Screw you! Wait, no, I, it was no, a, it was, it was <laughs> those were more genteel times, I guess. But um, do you? So Dunn, I'm assuming is Irish. Dunn right? is Irish. Dunn, Dunn. Dunn. For, the, for the love of sweet soul from Jesus. Do you have a, is there a Dunn tweed tartan? I don't think so. I have a I have a hat like that. I do something. I have a tweed. Well, coat. is it so? Like, a, is is I'm assuming tweed is like tartan in Scotland, where the family has their own pattern. Is that not true? Why are you trying? All? Why are you trying to stump me this entire show? I'm not genuinely. Ask me about curious. another Ray Bradbury book. Look at it. Like I didn't realize <laughs> Cecilia Betzel was going to come on the show and try to make me look like an idiot. Anyway, let me get back to something I know, including this whiskey. I really like it. It's got uh, floral notes, uh, some honey and apricot on the nose, and then on the palate, you get this like light wafers and almond and ginger and zesty fruits. I think you're going to like it. That sounds See, really I, good. I, it I would love to try it. I, would, I think you know, there's only, how many Irish whiskeys are there? More uh, facts. There's, fact well, there's probably about 150 now. Back in the end of the oh, 20th really? century, there are three left, essentially. Uh, they were available in America, at least. But the, the category has bounced back. Ah. It was almost obsolete at the end of the 20th century. Um, anyway, the end of this whiskey, it's, it's, it's got ginger at the end, a little lemon zest, licorice, as I said, it's, it's a hundred dollars for a bottle, 46% alcohol. That's 92 proof. You knew that. And, uh, you know, again, Egan's Centenary. That would be a great Christmas gift. A great gift for the drunken Irishman on your Christmas <laughs> list or on your holiday list or your we Hanukkah all list, know whatever one. list, Kwanzaa. Um, but if you're not feeling the whiskey, maybe you're feeling the wine. And I got two wines to tell you about from Bertani. One of my favorite Italian producers, I've got Bertani Amarone Classico 2009. This is a traditional blend of some grapes, very uh, standard grapes in Italy, 80% Corvina Veronese and Veronese, and 20% Rondinella. This is a wine that was aged six years in Slovenian oak barrels. Slovenian oak. Uh, yes, not none of that, none of that you know, fancy French oak, this Slovenian <laughs> oak. And then it spent another Damn. 12 months in the bottle before they released it. Uh, this is a, just a lot of plum and cherries and, and, and then it's got some spiciness to it. Like you'd get from, uh, from Amarone. Uh, and then a little bit of vanilla in there, a little bit of vanilla, vanilla, a of vanilla, 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 uh, <laughs> all right. It's 130 bucks a bottle, but oh, again, geez. you know, you're worth it. Now, if you want to go on a little bit uh, much uh, more affordable wine from the same producer, we've got Secco Bertani Original Vintage Edition 2015, and this is only $26 a bottle, and it is, it's a delicious, it's a blend of Corvina clones, Sangiovese, Cabernet Sauvignon, Syrah, 
It's made from a recipe that's been around for almost a hundred years, uh, and it, it it's it's like a slow fermentation in wood, and it's, it's you get the nuts and the cherries. It's very versatile. It's a food wine. I, I call it a food wine, and for twenty six bucks, you can bring that to a party mm. and press the hell out of people. I you like bring it. you bring. What do you do when you're going to a holiday party? You bring. I bring uh, Mulholland. You bring Mulholland. You don't bring wine, gin, whiskey, gin. whiskey, every. Everybody, if you show up to a party with a bottle of whiskey, you are immediately the favorite person there. I agree. I think you're immediately the favorite person anyway, aren't you? Uh, Why you? Thanks for but coming But the Mulholland the is really great, and it's very low priced at Whole Foods. The gin is $26.99, whiskey is $28.99, and the vodka is $17.99. I feel like you just hijacked my <laughs> new product segment. Look at that. Look at you. Just, just throwing it out there. Hey, Walton Goggins. Give this woman a raise. She has hijacked the segment. You just inserted Moha. All right, I'll take it. Uh, and then the the final uh, product in our new products segment is Baker's Bourbon. Okay, now you, Baker's has been around for a while. It's part of the original small batch bourbon collection that the late great Booker No, the master distiller Jim Beam, created that. Um, but so it's been around for a long time. But now uh, they've they've sort of rebranded it. They got a new bottle design that's got all the like handwritten the age of the warehouse it was in and all that. Uh, but they just debuted their Baker's first ever limited time offering. It's a 13 year old single barrel bourbon that I just think cranks it up a little mm-hmm. bit. If you like, it's the same thing. 107 proof, which is what Baker's wow. always is, but and minimum seven year age statement. But it just that that little extra time in that barrel just gives it that richer, mm. fuller, oaky, toasted nut flavor. Um, toasted and, nuts. And if you're gonna if you're gonna give it out as a gift, it comes in a gift box, uh, metallic inspired label. It's got a metal neck charm on it. Uh, it's in limited qualities, but quantities. But I think you can find it. Uh, it's ninety nine ninety nine a bottle, not a hundred. <laughs> I was going to say. Because I think they're full. They, they got you fooled. You're like, well, at least it's not 100. It's 99.99. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Jim Beam, I think that was the first drink or first sip of alcohol I ever had was Jim Beam. How old were you? Uh, Four. Like 13 or something. I mean, I'd had like, I'd had wine and beer because, you know. Well, you grew up in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. So it's different. <laughs> well, I mean, when we went skiing, I would drink. Uh, my mom would give me orange juice with Campari. Who wouldn't? <laughs> It's actually really delicious. I'm sure my parents would have done that if we could afford to ski, but we could not. Oh, God, I sound so no, bougie. We used to do, what, what, what we used to do when we were kids. When we holiday yeah, in we the Alps. Yeah, we holidayed in Vienna. Um, <laughs> but I uh, I grew up kind of poor in Philly, but what we they would do, I remember this with the adults, and not, I don't remember them doing it with me, but I'm sure they did, is if the baby was cranky, they'd say, you put a little whiskey oh, on their yeah. gums. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Imagine doing that now. They'd be like hauling you off. My stepmom's Scottish and they, yeah. Put some whiskey on the kid's gums. Can you imagine being at a party right now, pull out a whiskey and you see somebody putting it in, putting it in a baby. They'd be like, all right, let's call Child Protective Services right now. Um, Jim Beam will always have a a soft spot in my heart. It's what my dad had in our basement. And uh, therefore that is what I drink. It's great stuff. You're just adding all kinds of stuff in here. What else you got? Well, that was Baker's, but yeah. Uh, Any other products you want to add to the new products? You working with any other brands? Nope. All right. Um, no, no, I appreciate you. I, hey, you're just adding to the show, and that's what I, I appreciate. What that. else would I do? I appreciate your enthusiasm for the audience. Yeah, you know. Keep them in the know about this. What was the, uh, here's a fun one. What was the first cocktail you ever ordered at a bar? Tom Collins. 
Tom Collins. Because it's the only. What even is a Tom? It's the only name that I knew. It's a gin cocktail, and I. It's the only name of a drink that I knew because my dad used to say that I'd hear him say it. And so I think I went to the bar with like three friends. We were like 16. We had fake ID and we're all like, bartender's like, what do you want? We're all like, we didn't know. And we're all like, Tom Collins? My Tom Collins. buddy next to me is like, Tom Collins? Yeah, I have a Tom Collins. Tom Collins. <laughs> the bartender's probably who the hell are Four Tom Collins, in? please. <laughs> yeah, mine was actually sex on the beach. Oh, I was 14. No, In no, Brussels. No, that's just sex wrong. I know. That's we were such just children. Wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah, we're all <laughs> at least I mean at least Tom Collins is a respectable cocktail sex on the beach. That says a lot. That says a lot about it. Well when you're fourteen though, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Fourteen's okay. Yeah. Um okay, so you want to hear one more little bit from the sunny guys before we before we tap dance off into the sunset here? Ooh. This is Rob uh as you know, Rob got a little ornery the whole time, but here's Rob talking about bar fights. Rob went through a phase where he wouldn't sometimes never mind. There we go. Oh, what was that? That was a... Doom, 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 <laughs> okay. Doom, doom. So, that was us tap dancing out of here. So, yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> All right, so when I did these clips, there's uh, when I'm editing them, there's a metronome feature in my editing software, and I have to turn it off, and oh. I must have forgotten to do it. Let's hear. Rob went through a phase where he wouldn't it's sometimes cool, come right? out with me. Yeah, it sounds like um, all of a sudden it's a rap. he didn't like going to bars and clubs. Because he always <laughs> felt the urge to fight people. That, no, yeah. that's not. Yeah, that's that's not. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> let me let me let me add. That's not ridiculous. Let me add a little nuance to this. I think maybe, maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe it was because he always felt afraid that someone was going to fight him. Not that okay. he was afraid of a fight, yeah, but he didn't want. All right. It. Yeah. Anyway. It was fascinating. If only you could hear it, it was very fascinating. Um, One day we will know what Rob said about bar day. fights. Have you ever been in a bar fight? Yeah, I've been in a lot of bar fights. Kick ass. ass from Philly. Did I mention that I grew up Blue poor collar. in Philadelphia? It was a requirement. <laughs> it's not just a rite of passage. It was a rite of passage every week. You had a rite of passage. You had to get in a fight. But not anymore. I've mellowed with my... Uh, as I become a man of a certain age, yes. I've mellowed. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I want to. Uh, what else do I want? To, I think that's kind of might be it. When the music comes on, what the hell is this? It ain't over till the skinny lady sings, and here it is, right here. Yeah, uh, this is her closing music. You like it? <laughs> Still, still a child. Yeah, see, we're mixing it up. Anyway, happening? I want to, uh, first of all, I want to thank Cecilia Betzel. Thanks so much for having me on again. Mulholland. Always a pleasure. Mulholland Distilling. Check it. If you're in California, get it. If you're not in California, it's coming your way soon. I want to thank uh, Rob, Caitlin, and Glenn, obviously. Go, if you're a Sunny fan or if you're not a Sunny fan, pick up a copy of The Seven Secrets of Awakening, the highly effective four-hour giant today. Uh, I want to... Again, say a fond farewell to my to my old dear friend Gary Regan. Uh, Gary, miss you, buddy. Wherever you are, I I know you're probably having more fun than any of us. And uh, I will leave you with a quote from Roy Blunt Jr. A good heavy book holds you down. It's an anchor that keeps you from getting up and having another gin and tonic. <laughs>